0: Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that this place is your place. We thank you that as we come together and we gather and listen uh, we listen intently, not for entertainment purposes, not for tweetable moments, not for just having our feelings uh, intensified. But God is thinking that we're here for your presence. And it's your presence that brings change, it's your presence that awakens things, it's your presence that allows us to to be who you want us to be. And God, today, I just thank you that as we are chasing after you, uh, you are, are making us, you're molding us, you're crafting us in your name. Amen. It's, so this past Thursday, we had Veterans Day. And uh, on Veterans Day, um, I, my mom and I took the kids to uh, Mount Chehal. We went climbing. And on the way home, we took an hour detour to get coffee. <laughs> it was so worth it. Let me explain y'all something. If y'all ever in Silicaga, there's a place called Cup of Grace in Silicaga, Alabama. They have amazing coffee. The best sugar-free coffees I've ever had in my entire life. Like I had to ask them numerous times, are you sure this is sugar-free? And she looked at me like I was, you know, ridiculous, which most people do, but it was so good that you can usually have that taste. It's amazing. So, we go and on our way there, uh, there's this statue, it's a really cool statue of, it's a big block of I'm guessing marble or or granite or concrete, I don't know what it is, whatever they're made out of. But out of it, this base, there is from a waist up, a man with a, a hammer and a chisel and he's chiseling himself out of this big block. So he has no legs, it's a solid piece down, but he's, he's constantly, you can tell he's making something. As we drive by, I, I'm just fascinated by this over and over and over again. But at the same time, this, that's kind of what's happening here today for many of us is that we have the ability, through God's grace, to be whatever. We can be whatever he wants us to be, we can be whatever the world wants us to be. We can be whatever our parents want us to be, our siblings want us to be, our neighbors want us to be. And I think today one of the biggest things is that you're constantly holding a, a chisel and a hammer constantly hitting. And as we're in this process of, of, of moving forward, we don't come to church um, just for the free food. Today's a peak, a, a big perk. I'm excited about the food. Yo, I'm on a cut. I, I'm, I haven't been eating a lot, so I'm really excited. But one of the big things that we're doing is that we are coming because I know I need to change. Maybe y'all are perfect, but I am a work in progress. And one of the greatest things about coming and listening to God's word on a Sunday, beyond just a podcast, is that it constantly makes me pause and reflect going, where is the next angle that I need to chisel? Where do I need to take the hammer and hit next? What's the thing, God? Not because it's a, an issue where he hates us, but because of his love, he constantly is working with us. Can I tell you, when God says no to things, it's not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. Thank you, Candace. And as I was in worship, uh, I was just, I, I'm, I was feeling his, his presence is very heavy, and I, I was trying to figure out what was going on. It's one thing I, I like to do is just to pause and reflect, going, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? What's happening? Not just getting up and just blah, 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 but what is happening going on? And as I was here, I watched, I watched Dave and Julie walk in, and the funniest thing was I took a double take because I didn't realize it was Dave. I thought it was somebody else. And I know Dave. I've known Dave for forever. And I don't want to call him Dave because his name is Bill. I watched Bill and Julie walk in. I'm looking at Dave, calling Bill Dave. I watched Bill and Julie walk in. She is looking around. Kind it's like, this is a trick question. Maybe his name really is Dave. Uh, and, and Bill, God's, God's working on you. Every day, and I don't want you to get weary in what he's doing—the the, the chiseling, the hammering, the everything that's going on—it's not in vain. The hardest part of people like a a sculptor, a Leonardo, or a watching them do it is, is it's an arduous process for him to. When the statue of David was done, it took, I don't remember how many years before, he, he was just staring, staring at just a solid block, trying to figure out what he wanted to make out of it. Where were the angles? And being crafted and being molded it's not a fun process. A lot of times it's a lonely process. But I want you to know that he's working. He hasn't given up. He sees you. working through you. He's going to... Continue to process. He's going to see you. Continue to see progress. It's going to be worth it. Don't quit. Don't quit on yourself. Many of us are going through the process. I've got the shovel. Um, It's kind of for many of us in in 2021. It's an archaic tool because we have front end loaders. We've got trenchers. We've got everything else that can you can sit in an air conditioned cab and push a button and walk through it, but in 1978, New Life was meeting in what was, at a time, a Dairy Queen building that's no longer existent. In 1979, men and women were gathered in this very spot because they had a vision of a church and they had a vision of a school. And what they began to do was they put a shovel in the ground, you are been to a groundbreaking, and you just simply just stick your shovel in the dirt and you turn it. But before there was ever the sanctuary that you're in right now, there was a hole. There was just a hole. People with a shovel and a dream. And, and when people would drive by, they would see a bunch of people standing out in the grass, playing in the mud, but those people saw a building. The community would drive by, see some farmland. (coughs) A chicken coop was over here. But these people saw a school. Friends, family, neighbors would drive by, and all they could see is dirt. But people with vision could see more than you could possibly imagine. And there's going to be people in this place today that need to have some shovels back in their hands. Because for everything and every dream that needs to take place, you first have to dig a hole. People in this place are beginning to make moves. They're making changes. Things are happening in your personal life. Things are happening in your spiritual life. God is is, is shaping. He's shifting. He's he's wanting something more from you, Bill. He's wanting something more from you, Rusty. He's wanting something to happen in this earth through you. And what he gives us is a shovel. Because before there can ever be a high rise, we have to dig down deep. We've got to turn the dirt. I don't know if you've ever been to a groundbreaking. I don't know if you've ever seen a construction site, but can I tell you, they're not clean. It's messy. You know what, seeing the concrete poured, that's pretty cool, that's exciting. Seeing the steel structures pop up, that's really exciting too. Moving dirt, it's just dirt, but it's the process. Can I be a little more? You can't. <laughs> maybe we find ourselves in the spot where God's doing something in your life, when God's doing something in this church, and maybe you can shout when we start digging holes. When we start making announcements, when we start making moves, when things start happening and and we're giving shovels out and you're walking around and you're talking about growth and you're talking about your personal life, you're talking about your finances, you're talking about your marriage, you're talking about your kids, you're talking about whatever God's dream is for your life and it's exciting and you start digging and you're saying, yes, and I'm all in and I'm all about it and I'm here for anything that's taking place and you dig a hole. But what happens when you dig a hole? And then there's just a hole. And then grass starts to grow in that hole. What do we do when that hole now starts to fill up with water because nothing else has taken place? Where do we find ourselves in an utter state of discouragement because we go from an excitement of turning dirt into nothing's happening? You ever built a house? You sign the papers, you take a photo, you walk the lines. You see them take the stakes, and, and they take the little uh, strings and rope it off, and then you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing happens. And you'll drive by going, what is going on? Did that just get bamboozled? Did they take my money and run? See, for many of us, the shovel stage is an exciting stage, but it's in the delaying stage that disappointment sets in. And disappointment for many of us will take what could have been a great building and all we see is a hole and now we just have pigs jumping in a hole. And And I believe in a lot of our lives, in many of our areas of our lives, there's been many times that we've got excited and we started digging in and we started doing our things. And we're shoveling away and then we quit because it didn't happen and now we just look like we've been testing missiles all over our lives. Remember that movie with uh, Tom Hanks when they had uh, Money Pit? And they just had holes all over the place. And everybody would drive up like, y'all testing missiles here? What's going on? They're, they just had holes everywhere. And I feel like in our lives in a lot of ways, that's a beautiful representation of how we are or how we have been with God is that God gives us a vision he gives us a dream, we say yes, we go to a conference, we go to a concert, we go to whatever it is, we listen to a podcast, we come to a church, and we're all in. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, Pastor, this is my place, I'm here. I'm your. Listen, whatever you need, I'm here. Listen, I'm. I, oh, whenever we have to shut down for COVID, I, I can't wait to come back. You open back up, there's just a hole. Because the sincerity was real, but the delay causes disappointment. It's not a judgment on a man or woman's character. It's just, they were excited. Then there was that wait. And then now there's just a hole. And I believe that God is wanting to do more than just leave your life full of holes. God is wanting to do more than have you just dig a hole. He's got an ocean. He doesn't need another swimming pool. But here we are. So many of us will go from one event to another event. That's a good idea. I'm in. I'm, I'm going I'm to get out of debt. It's going to be great. This is taking too long. I'm going to get a different job. This job's going to help me out. This is taking too long. I'm going to get in a relationship. It's going to be great. Ooh, that was horrible. I'm out. I, I'm all in for church. They didn't play my song. I'm gonna go to this church. I'm all in for church. <sighs> I don't like how he dresses. I'm all in for church, and we're just we're digging holes. Running around. We got one passage we're gonna jump into in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter chapter 3. We see a transition of leadership taking place in, in uh, Israel. Ahab dies. If you remember the Bible, he's not a good guy. His wife was, I would dare say, even worse than he was. In verse 1, In the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel and Samaria. And he reigned there 12 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. <laughs> I love how the Bible does this. He wasn't as bad as his daddy. Because he did put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his dad had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made in Israel. He did not depart for them. You have a, a king that has passed, and the proverbial baton has handed off to his son. How many of you understand that when there's ever a transition or a vacuum of leadership, war takes place? Have you ever taken over a department? Have you ever taken over a business? Have you ever done something new and you got a promotion? Have you ever noticed how your friends, who man, you're going to be great, you're going to be fantastic. I'm so proud of you, you got this promotion. And then all of a sudden you walk into the break room, hey guys, and they turn around and walk away. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's all for you as long as you're equal, but then something happens and now we draw lines. In this case, a guy becomes a king and he gets challenged. Now, Misha, son of Moab, was a sheep breeder and he used to pay the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. Kind of feel like that's a lot, y'all. If I'm a sheep breeder and I've got a hundred thousand to spare, how many do I actually have? That's a lot. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. In other words, he went on a political campaign to try to elicit everybody to join the war. And the king... Jehoram went out of Samaria and mustered all of Israel. And then when he went to the, and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. What's interesting here, if you pause for a second, is that he went to gather all Israel and there had to have been some kind of advisory or maybe it was just an issue because he was a new young ruler, but his first move after trying to gather support is to go get help from another kingdom. A kingdom that has been established. He needed credibility. The problem here is, they had nothing in common. Verse 8. He said, which way shall we go up? And he answered the way of the wilderness of Edom. This is the new king, the young king talking here. Verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. So here we are. We've got the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Israel, the uh, king of e- Edom. You've got Jehoram, the new king of, of Israel, Jehoshaphat the current king of Judah, and the king of Edom. You know what these three men have in common? Nothing. Not a thing. Isn't that interesting? Not a thing. They worship different gods. It's obviously that that even though he is the king of Israel, he's not serving Jehovah. He's not following the way. He's not as bad as his dad, but he's still not in a relationship with God. Jehoshaphat, Believes in God, believes in those things. The king of Edom does whatever he wants when he wants. He has no loyalties to Israel at all. They don't have the same culture, they don't have the same customs, they don't eat the same foods, they don't worship the same gods. There is nothing in common with these three people except for one thing, and that one thing is somebody has come up against them and they unified themselves to attack the Moabites. Isn't it funny how people can be so different, but you give them one common goal? One rallying point, and they can pull it together? I'll never forget the feeling that I had in 2001 when we went from a craziness of America through one singular instance, how it didn't matter if you were Republican or Democrat, how it didn't matter the color of skin you had. It didn't matter what you spent your money on. It didn't matter whether you were straight or you were gay. You know what mattered? Finding Osama bin Laden. We went to war. And there was a season where you'd see everybody had American flags flying away because we had a common enemy. I'm, I'm going through this because I find myself, in a lot of ways, that we, as believers a lot of times will shun people that do not do exactly the way we do things. How many times in my personal life, or maybe in your personal life, have you gone through something and you're seeking God's face and he's sending you the wrong people? God, I need to get this. Send the people in, the north, the south, the east, the west, but not that person. Send Bill Dave back. God sends somebody else. You're not getting the memo, God. That's the same person, same style, because what happens in a lot of our lives is is that we get a word from God, we have a dream from God, and we expect that everybody that's going to be helping us should look like me, should speak like me, should dress like, like me, should walk like me, listen to the same music like me, vote like me. But can I tell you, church, God is a lot less interested into getting people in your circle that are like you and a lot more interested in getting His will accomplished on the earth. And can I tell you, if He'll use the king of Edom to do it, He'll do it. God will use whoever is available to get his plans and purposes. I'll never forget when mom and dad were building their house. The people that would just come out of the woodwork to help. Were they all Christians, believers, love God? Oh, no. No. Not even close. See, God will use people that you don't like to see his plans and purposes come on this earth. See, I, I guess for me, I'm wondering what happens when God surprises us with people that we don't agree with. When God gives us people and we go, I'm not that person, God. Because the Bible's full of it. Full of those kind of scenarios. How about Jonah? You think he got along with the Ninevites? No. He was hoping that God would burn them. He had nothing to do with them. What we're seeing in our lives is that David would work with the Philistines for a while. Remember, David was murdering Philistines, then he was with the Philistines, and then he went back to murdering Philistines. Like, The Bible will use whoever he wants to use. God will use whoever he wants to use to see his plans and purposes come to pass because God picks who God picks even when it doesn't make sense. Look at the disciple Peter. Three times Jesus goes to him. Three times there's a meeting about Jesus, come and follow me. You look, Peter, that's, that's your go-to guy, Jesus? You would really scrape the bottom of the barrel for that one. A fisherman with zero social skills is going to lead the church? He's got anger management problems that like you could not believe? I would love to see the stuff that was not in the Bible about Peter. See we read three and a half years of Jesus' walk as a leader, and he's got Peter and what there's like, a couple of instances of him popping off, really? Just a couple. I kind of feel like there was times when like, you, you, you've, got, <laughs> you've got Luke walking around. He's like, "You say that I'll kill you." Like, don't put that no. That didn't happen, pulling that out. <laughs> he's got a list. He's talking to, I mean, you know, he's writing, he's talking to first-hand accounts. He's like, so here you did X, Y, nope, that didn't happen. Did not happen, you understand me, that didn't happen. So you didn't chop somebody's ear off. Okay, that happened, but you don't understand. Like, you, you got to realize that Peter had problems. Can you imagine Peter's gospel? That would have been incredible. Like starring Russell Crowe, it would have been Fantastic. <laughs> You know who the only qualified disciple was? Judas. He was the only one that was qualified to be a disciple. That didn't turn out very well. But here we are, picking winners and losers. When God's purpose is to get something done... He doesn't always use your family. He doesn't always use your friends. He doesn't use your circle. He doesn't use your crew. And I'm looking at this church and the plans that God has for this place, and they're bigger than your politics. Oh, come on. They're bigger than my favorite songs. They're bigger than the lights. They're bigger than coffee. They're bigger than the color of my skin, and they're bigger than the style of clothes that I wear. Because God's called us to dig something out. And can you tell me, hmm, why do we have white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches? We shouldn't have that. We shouldn't have millennial churches and boomer churches. We shouldn't have all of these different things that are going on, Republican churches, Democratic churches. This makes as much sense as having a, what church do you go to? I go to the Alabama church. Oh, I go to the Auburn church. Can you imagine if that was what we told people? What church do you go to? I see my pastor really likes Alabama and so do I. So I'll go to that church. Because what's happening is that church has become so little about his presence and so much about my preference. It's become a lot more about what makes me feel good and what makes me comfortable and that everybody that I show up with looks like me, dresses like me, has the same color skin as I do, votes like me. So when I get up and I talk about who I voted for, there's not going to be this really. There's no challenge taking place because we're all the same. What we're looking for is we're looking for a church that's a bunch of cookie cutters just like me, that can talk like me, and we'll go to the same coffee shops as me, and they're not messy. And if we are messy, we're messy together, and we can't judge each other. But can I tell you where God's taken new life is it's not supposed to be a Republican or Democrat church. It's not supposed to be a black or a white church or a Hispanic church. It's not supposed to be a boomer's church or a millennial church or a Gen Z church. It's supposed to be a church. It's supposed to be a group of people with shovels in their hands, willing to do whatever it takes to see God's plans and purposes take place. It's supposed to be people who look and say, We have a common goal, and even though there may be a hole every once in a while in our our ground, we're going to see it through until something takes place. It's not supposed to be people who are just like you. It's not supposed to be somebody who's just like me. My clothing style changes based on the weather. One Sunday, I used to to bother people when I was in in South Florida because, seriously, one Sunday I'd be in a suit and tie, the next Sunday I've got jeans. they're like, what are you doing? Pick a style. I'm like, this is what I felt like today. Sometimes I'd put a suit on with a hoodie just because (laughs) I felt like it. Can I tell you, I have zero fashion sense, and I don't care. But we here on a regular basis. Well, I'll go to that church because it's relevant. What's, what's, what's relevant about that church? They look like me. They look like my Instagram page. They look like what I would like to post on Instagram. That's why I go there. And get you no know, love today. So here we are. We've got these three kings marching for the same goal, the same enemy. They're doing their thing. They're going after the Moabites. One of the big reasons why they're going after their Moabites is because if it takes over Israel, Judah would have been next. Edom would have been after that. They all knew that their life depended on winning this fight because if he would have gotten a little bit of victory, he wouldn't have stopped. And the reason why they picked these three nations is because these three nations combined has the uh, advantage, the numerical advantage to win this fight. If Israel could have done it by himself, he would have done it by himself, but he couldn't. He knew he couldn't do it, so he gathered, and then he gathered again, and he goes, we've got it. Let's march. We've got what we need. So they march. So the king of Israel, verse 9, went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they made a circular march for seven days. It's Verse 9. How fun is that? They made a circuit of seven days' journey, and there was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. I, I don't plan wars. I've never been in the military. I have no idea. But I would imagine in the desert, seven days with no water is a bad idea. <laughs> Ira, can you back me up on that one? It's probably, probably yeah. yeah, probably a bad idea. It gets hot from what I understand in the desert. Very dry. And if I'm going to go to war, completely dehydrated from seven days of no water, it's, I don't think my numbers are going to matter that much. When I'm too weak to pick up my shield and my sword, I'm probably going to die. Then the king of Israel said, alas, I love this. Whose idea was this war, by the way? King of Israel. Alas! God has called these three kings to give them into the hands of the Moabites. That's a great leader. Seven days ago, he's rallying everybody. Seven days later, there's an issue, and now we're all doomed. Running out of water is a death sentence to that vision. You have a vision for a business, you've got a financial backer who's all in, they love your idea, they're all excited on this new venture that you're going to take. You've quit your job, you're going after it. You locate a building that you need, a warehouse to do distribution. You go to sign the paperwork and then you realize your check bounces. Your check bounces because the financial backer decided to leave. And now, you're staring at a warehouse that you're trying to buy, and you've already quit your job. I feel like that would be disappointing. And this is where this man is right now. So you have to see that the major setbacks that take place, three things happen. When disappointment strikes, you either A, turn on each other, B, turn around and go home, or C, you push forward. You turn on each other and die, you go back with your tail between your legs, or you push forward. The wicked king looks at everybody else and says, God's going to kill us all. We're done. It's all y'all's fault. Don't know what y'all are doing here. But then the king of Judah looks and says, Time out time out. Let's just take a pause for a second. Maybe maybe God's not against us. I, I get it, young buck. You became a king seven days ago. You're really cute. But let me give you some experience here. Just because it's opposition doesn't mean that God's against you. Can I tell you there's three types? There's life, there's the devil, and then there's God. God will oppose. The Bible says God opposes the haughty and the prideful. There's numerous times in the Bible that God opposed the king, and it did not bode well for them. There's numerous times where the enemy, the devil himself, has opposed people. And then there's life. When your truck has 270,000 miles on it and it breaks down, that's not the devil. That's life. There's no demon in your transmission. You can lay hands on it all you want, but it's probably not going to crank. It's just life. In this case, they marched for 7 days because there was supposed to be water there. They didn't just walk around because we have no idea what we're doing. They had a plan. There was a strategy. These three kings met together. They planned out their path. And they planned out their path because this was the way that we would have to get water here so that we could push on and have our advance. And then they get there and there is no water. Opposition takes place. What are you doing when there's a hole in your ground and you've got no concrete to fill it with for your foundation? Do you just turn on everybody else? Do you run away and hide or do you keep pushing? This king decides to push. Verse 10 says, The king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings together to give them to the hands of the Moabites. Verse 11, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the kings of Israel's servants, listen to that, one of the king of Israel's servants said, Elisha, who used to pour water on Elijah's hands, is close by. Remember Elijah? This guy's mom tried to murder him. This guy's dad tried to take his head. And his own advisor goes, I hate to be that guy, but there is a prophet. Probably not going to like my answer. Because he doesn't talk like you, he doesn't dress like you, he doesn't think like you, he doesn't believe like you, he doesn't have the political views like you do. But there is somebody. There is somebody who can give you the answer that you need. But it's going to be different than what you're expecting. Verse 12, Jehoshaphat said the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do I have to do with you? In other words, what are you doing here? Remember my master, the one that you, your daddy and your mama hated? Remember when I was serving him and pouring water in his hands and you tried to get us killed? Oh, you don't remember that? Let me refresh your memory. Oh, and now you want my help. Interesting. Interesting. Go to the prophets of your dad and your mama. And the king of Israel says, (sighs) No. For the Lord has called these three kings together to kill us. Elisha said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, if it if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even look at you. I wouldn't even talk to you. But that man's connection to God and his respect for me is granting you access to something. How many of you understand who you associate yourself with matters? But now, bring me a musician. And when it came about that the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he says, thus says the Lord, look at this, make your valley full of trenches. Why did they go seek him? They needed water. What was God's answer? Grab a shovel. Dig a hole. Oh, you need some water? Dig a hole. God, I'm disappointed. Dig a hole. God, I don't want to do this anymore. Dig a hole. God, where are you at? And a lot of times we get mad because we ask for an answer and God throws us a shovel. God, make water come out. He goes, here you go. Partner with me. God, I just want to sit on the couch. I want to Netflix and chill, and you do everything. And God goes, No, 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 no. Here's a shovel. Dig a hole, dig a trench. He's telling them to dig a trench in a place that should already have water. Because, can I tell y'all a secret? while you're just turning a little bit of dirt every once in a while, and you're just lifting that up every once in a while, what you're doing is you're going down. And what God is doing in your life, what he's doing in my life, what he's doing in your neighbor's life is this. He's giving you a shovel so you can dig deep. He's wanting you to dig deep inside of yourself because when he gets down deep, he can set a foundation that can build upon And when you're always crying out for God and you're looking for something and he gives you a shovel, what he's saying is, how deep are you willing to go with me? What kind of relationship are we going to have here? Are we going to dig? Are we going to do something? Are we going to make something here? Are we going to partner with something? Or am I just going to send manna and quail every once in a while? Because what he's wanting to do, listen to this, he's wanting you to dig because he wants something, something big enough to hold the blessing. Remember Peter, okay God, I'll throw a net in the water as his nets begin to break. But God's looking for somebody who goes, I'll dig, I'll dig. I'll dig and I will dig and I will dig and I will go as deep, I will go as wide, I will do whatever I have to do, God, because I'm not going to let a single fish get away. I'm not going to have a single blessing slip through because I'm so desperate for a move of God that if you want me to dig a hole in a desert and expect water to appear, okay. And what we got here is we got these people in this church, they're digging, they're digging, their aunties are like, you look like an idiot. What are you doing? I know. I'm digging. Cousins. You know, there's better options. There's easier choices. Yeah, but God told me to dig. Your neighbors are looking at you like you are lost your mind. I'm out here digging. Why do you keep doing the same thing? This is what God told me to do. I don't know why, but he's got me. He gave, I asked for help, and he gave me a shovel. And I can't build with a shovel, but I can dig with one. Because God gives you tools. We just don't like to use them. So you're digging. We're digging. A shovel is meant to get below the surface because God wants the deep things in your life. Because when you start digging, it uncovers what's beneath the surface. But in our social media world that we live in now, we want to keep things above the surface. We want filters on our filters on our filters. You see this guy who's five two, two 285 pounds, with brown eyes, all of a sudden takes a selfie, and he's like, how did he get 6'3", 180 with, with abs? And he's got blue eyes. he got filters for his filters. That's the world we're living in now. It's a world where we just want to push a button and everything looks the way we want it to look. I've got bad news. That world's going to crumble. That world's going to fail. And there's going to be a lot of people that are disappointed. There's going to be a lot of people that are sitting there dying because God gave them shovels. and all they're doing is swiping. Because God's looking for people to dig deep. You know, it's interesting to me because I hear like, you know, Pastor Allen speak. It's deep. It should cause you to grab a shovel. Every sermon that's spoken on this stage should cause you to grab a shovel and go, a little deeper. I'm going to uncover something beneath the surface. The amount of people that I've heard go, so funny, Bill. People go, they sew up to church. Man, pastor's got some deep messages. It says it's not like anybody else. It's deep. It's deep. Whew, that's good. It ain't like that nowhere. Six months, six years later, you see what happens is it's not relevant to me. How can it be in a spot where you are dumbstruck with depth, but it's not relevant to you? Maybe it's just that you haven't picked up a shovel. Listen. If you want three poem, uh, points in a poem, I can give you some good Instagram stories. But for me, for me, I, I need to dig deep because my life and the things that God's trying to do in my life and things that are going to happening in your life are more important than just surfacey answers. Because digging deep will help. It will help cause something big to take place. And what's going to happen with many people, listen to this, what's going to happen is they're going to have these big, huge structures. They're going to have these big, huge grand halls. They're going to have this great idea that there's salvation and everything else. And then a wind's going to blow and they're going to realize there was no foundation in their lives. And disappointment brought destruction. And now that's all God's fault. But we have basements to protect us from a storm. And the only way a basement happens Somebody dug a hole. If it's not worth digging for, you're never going to fight for it. Because delay isn't always denial, because sometimes that opposition, that problem, that issue that you're facing is meant to set you up for success. For thus says the Lord, verse 17, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, but that valley that you just dug, it's going to be filled. And both you and your cattle and your beast are going to drink. This is, listen to this, this is, An easy thing. One version says, it's a simple thing for God. You over here freaking out. God can fill your ditch without rain and without wind. Because in our minds, we'll go, okay, 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 God, I'll dig, I'll dig. And what you're going to do is you're going to cause the winds to blow in, and then there's going to be a tidal wave to come in, and then you're going to do this. You're going to cause a rainstorm like you did in, in, in Noah's day, and you're going to fill it up out of nowhere. What you're going to do is you're going to cause the mountain. God's going, I don't, I don't need your logic to get my plans done. I'm just asking you to dig a hole. Don't worry how I'm going to feel it. Just dig the hole. Do you want this or not? Dig the hole. I'll do my job. You do your job. He'll give the Moabites into your hands. Verse 19, Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city and fill every good tree and stop all the springs of water. Look at that. I'm going to give you water so that you can stop your enemies. I feel like that's called redistribution. And mar every good piece of land with stones. And it happened in the morning time of the sacrifices. That behold, water came by the way of Edom. How? This part still baffles me. How? It doesn't give much direction. And the country was filled with water. The end. It just it just came. We woke up and there it was. Can I tell you, have you ever heard a wave crash? Like a big wave? Like after a hurricane, big waves. They're loud. On the, uh, in July I was at the beach and I was way off the beach. I, went, I, was, I was on a condo and I could hear the waves. You know what I'm talking about? You get close to the... It matter. If there is a valley of dryness... And that much amount of water comes in, I feel like it'd make a noise. But no one woke up. Just, oh, there's water. Oh, there's water. Now the Moabites, the Moabites, these, the, the, the the people that were meant to kill them, the people that probably knew that the water was already gone, the people who probably knew that they were dying of thirst right about now. The Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them. And all of them who were able, every man who was able to put on armor, was ordered to. And they stood on the border. They stood on the border knowing they've got to go through that dry spot. And when they're weak, and when they're tired, we'll take them out. And they rose up early on the same morning. And the sun hit the water. And the Moabites looked at it and go, it's red. There's not water there, so what it has to be is blood. I knew those three kings couldn't hold it together. I knew they would turn on each other. See, what happens is is that the enemy is constantly doing his absolute best to discourage you so that you turn on the brother and turn on the sister that's next to you to get you to do his job for him. What he's trying to do is discourage you enough and distract you enough to cause dissension in your place and leave you isolated. And then they run. Ha! They killed each other. They said, this is blood. This is the king's blood. They fought against each other. What a bunch of idiots. And they slew one another. Now therefore, verse 23, now therefore, Moab to the spoil. They're laughing. Because everybody's dead. Because last night it was dry. So the only thing logically that could be read in a dry spot is their blood. Game's over. But when they came up to the camp of Israel, the Israelites arose. Verse 24, and struck. (laughs) They destroyed them. Can Can I tell you a secret? A lot of times in my life, a lot of times in your life, when you find yourself dealing with opposition, the vast majority of the time is it's not God. And when you seek God's face, when you're having that opposition, and God says double down, dig a hole, dig a hole. Because what the enemy has meant for evil... God is about to use that same obstacle as their hanging point. The enemy thought he had them. They're going to die. But he didn't realize that he was just building his own gallows to hang himself. Because there are men who are willing to dig a hole. Right now, in this very service, there are many people that are discouraged. They've got holes all over the place. Right now there are people that are on the fence about doing things for God. They're wondering what's going on with the disappointment and the discouragement because right now when they're looking at life, things haven't gone the way they thought they should have gone. I've been there. can't tell you how many times I've been there. But one thing I do know is that I also know that right now God's giving out shovels. I do know God's asking you to dig deep. He's asking you right now, are you going to dig the hole Are you going to go out and expand the ground? Are you going to have a spot that's big enough to contain the blessing that God has? Are you going to be a part of something that God's doing in this world? Are you going to do that, or are you just going to sit there and go, well, it didn't happen my way? And digging's a lot of work. I'd much rather repost. Because looking spiritual is easier than being spiritual. Spiritual. Looking stable is easier than being stable. Looking deep is easier than digging a hole and being deep. Where are you at today? What are we looking at right now? Because I feel like right now in my life, I walked outside and closed my eyes. My God, what am I doing? This was not the message you wanted me to give. As I told him what I should speak on. And as I stood there and walked out, I closed my eyes and I sat on my back porch and I saw holes. You know what the craziest thing was? As I had my eyes closed and I looked out, I saw holes and holes and holes. And the separation of the holes weren't that big. You're almost there. You're almost there. You've already got so many holes. Let's connect them. Let's dig a little deeper. Break out the barriers. Be a little wider. And see what God's going to do in your life because I promise you that when God gives you a shovel, it's for a purpose. It's not to punish you. It's not to chastise you not because he's bored and he wants to see you put some holes in the ground. It's because he's got an opportunity for you to push through your disappointment and see God do something big in your life. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that as we wrap this up, that you're sparking the hearts of men and women right now to pick up a shovel and to dig a little deeper, to go a little or to, to do whatever they have to do to dig down and experience your goodness in their lives. To not deal with surface relationships and, and surface issues. But to God, I just think that you are going to be connecting them, Father God, with your goodness. That we don't have to know the how. We don't have to know the whys. But God, that when you look at it and you give us a tool, we will use it. God, I just think right now that this body is unifying, growing, connecting Digging deep, making disciples. We're not taking the easy repost and retweet buttons, but God, I just thank you that we are digging deep. The deep calls on the deep today, God, and I just thank you that you're pulling them up in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.